The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves. Um, just doing the same religious thing every week and seeing people hurting. And um, I wanted to take a moment and reintroduce myself. Um, one thing that I'm really big on is people reclaiming their narratives, reclaiming their stories. And I want to encourage everyone that's listening or that will see this today that you have the power and you have the right to reclaim your story and to tell your own story. Um, so many times, especially as men, other people get to tell our story and we become victims of their opinions. We become victims of what they think and who they think we are and who, what we should have done and who we should be. When in reality, God has given us all unique stories and given us all unique um, um, uh, gifts and setting gifts and skills. But anyway, I'm not here for that. I want to introduce, reintroduce myself. My name is Robert Marshall. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a minister. I'm a friend. I'm an educator. I'm a thinker. I'm a brother, but I'm also a survivor. I'm a survivor of sexual violence. I'm a survivor of multiple um, sexual violent traumatic experiences. Um, what did I survive? I survived rape. I survived molestation. I, uh, I survived uh, mental abuse. I um, survived uh, the opinions of people. I've survived uh, the negative impact of my past. Um, and I'm still here, yo. I'm still here and I'm still standing. And I want to hone in today or this evening to talk about sexual abuse and sexual trauma. Uh, many of you guys know who I am, but many of you don't know that for me, sexual abuse, sexual trauma started as early as the age of four. Um, I remember I would have a cousin spend the night over our house and he was way older than I was and we would be playing and whatnot. And then when it was time to go to bed, he would call me down from my bunk bed at four years old and he would say, hey, Robert, put your mouth here. And he would play a game with me and that game was called How Low Could You Go? And literally it was to give him oral sex until I couldn't or I gagged. Um, and that was my first, that was my first um experience um with sexual trauma now at the age of four i didn't have the verbiage for no i didn't have the verbiage to know that this was sexual abuse or that was wrong but what it started to do was to create an appetite and create uh, uh, uh create a desire in me as early as the age of four um I didn't tell anybody because he always told me, hey, if you do, if you do tell, you will get in trouble. Um, if you do and tell you, then um, essentially I would be the one um, to blame. 
that was early at the age of four and that was a family member a cousin that would spend the night over our house all the time and so at the same age many of you who know my preaching story I started preaching at the age of five so before I even opened my mouth to preach um I had already known what it meant to, I'd already had my first sexual encounter at the age of four. Um, That went on for some time. And so that cousin then introduced me to other cousins um, who, um, uh, who opened those doors as well. Um, And so at the age of four, five, six, seven years old, um, I was already well deep into, um, um, the beginning of my sexual identity and my sexual trauma. One thing I learned at those ages was how to keep secrets, how to keep secrets, how not to tell, how not to to uh, be honest. And so what it did was it taught me how to live in a lie, how to live in a lie, how to tell the truth, but tell half truth at the same time to protect me, to protect my cousins, uh, because we didn't want because we didn't want or I didn't want to get in trouble and I didn't want them to get in trouble. Um, and we have to understand people who have experienced sexual abuse or sexual traumatic experiences. Um, we learn really quick how to keep secrets. Um, we learn really quick how to hide what's going on in our lives. And I want to kind of pinpoint this hiding thing, because why am I deciding to do this? Why am I deciding to to put myself out here in this format and in this way? Because there are so. um, Oh, guys, I just noticed that you guys um, are answering me answer or asking me anonymous questions. I will take your anonymous questions. Um, I'll answer this anonymous question. um, what has happened is in so many of us who have experienced and men in particular who've experienced sexual traumatic experiences, we learn how to hide. We learn how to shut it down. Rather, a man experienced sexual violence or sexual trauma from a man or a woman, it, it our body naturally responds to it. And a lot of times we get confused because even though we may have ejaculated or we may have had an orgasm, then we think, oh, it's confusing because there was a level of pleasure, but at the same time, there was this discomfort and this unwanting, uh, this unwantingness. I don't even know if that's a word, unwantingness of that thing. So we live kind of in this two, this, this, this world that is, that, that that is fueled by confusion it's fueled by lust and it creates an appetite but we learn really quick how to hide that appetite we learn really quick how to hide those desires and this the the fruit that comes from out of those experiences so for me why am i doing this i'm doing this because i got tired of hiding i i, I i'm doing this because i'm getting tired of traveling to place to place from classroom from the classroom to from school to school from church to church from pulpit to pulpit um from pulpit to pulpit and preaching and prophesying and dancing over people who are in hiding and i'm here because 
I don't want, I don't believe it's God's will for us to hide either. I don't believe it's God's will for people who are hurting, who are broken, who have been, um, who've learned how to hide the truth of their story, to hide behind a shout or the worship team. And I'm, I want to talk to the men who are not just in church, but I want to talk to married men. I want to talk. I'm, t- I'm here to talk to married men. I'm here to talk to um, um, single men. I'm here to talk to openly gay men. I'm here to talk to men who are on the DL. I'm here to talk to men who are in relationships that are carrying the weight and the shame um, and hiding what are, are hiding in your past and hiding what has happened to you. And you think you think that you are silencing the effects of what has happened in your life. And the truth is, I got tired because, yo, to be honest, I'm, I'm not just talking about people every I'm not just talking about regular people. I'm talking about people who are influential. There are pastors. There are preachers. There are our doctors. There's educators who have experienced sexual traumatic things and they haven't ever told anybody. And they're married. They have kids. They have great lives, but they have the side that they've kept secret and it's eating them alive. Listen, I learned that I had to start telling the truth because when you do not tell the truth the lies will eat you up the secrecy will eat you from the inside out and it will kill you it will kill your hope it'll kill your future it'll kill your identity and even starting at the age of four my identity was formed by somebody else's brokenness and we have to understand as men we internalize that crap when it happens to us we internalize it and we say this is who i am whether it was male or female that that uh committed the act against us we learned how to hide it and i don't believe anybody um should have to live in hiding and if you're a man that's listening to this hey i encourage you to come out of hiding because there's freedom it's look freedom is it feels good it's crazy but it feels so amazing it feels so amazing and when we go through these things we tend to hide but then the weird paradox about this is that we hide in communities with in within communities um of people who are also hiding as well. Um, and we think that um, nobody sees. Um, we hide in our, what I call secret societies. And the rule of thumb for these secret societies are, I know your secret, you know my secret, but we're not gonna tell anybody. And we live in those secret societies and we operate in those secret societies and we have support systems in those secret societies. But what I've learned is these subcultures, these sub secret societies in churches and school systems and communities and all around of people um, who are who have experienced some forms of sexual trauma and they have begun or they may have had thoughts or started acting out on it. In private, these subcultures um, be not only become toxic, but they become um, resting places for people because that's the only place where they can have peace. Um, but the all at the same time, that peace comes at a price, and oftentimes that price that they pay is with their body. Um, oh, wow, I, I had to 
pause. That price that we paid, we often paid it with our body. And I remember part of my story is when I got in college, um, and I hear I'm here to tell it all. So if you have questions, feel free to ask me. Um, in college, what happened with me is that um, I was almost engaged to um, this uh, bishop at the time. I don't know if you guys remember when the um, um, with the the name of the. Um, affirming churches started coming out um he was a leader in the affirming churches and he had asked me to marry him um and i almost said yes i I almost said yes um but i had this encounter um with god and this is just my story i'm not here to disrespect anybody but the truth is I had an encounter with God where um, it really, where the Lord really spoke to my heart and told me it wasn't real. Um, Long story short, that man is no longer alive today. Um, But it was the most painful thing to pull away from him. Um, And I lived in the secret community um, with him. um, And I had to pull myself out. I had to pull myself, but in pulling myself out, I, was traumatized. I was hurt. I was broken. I was upset with God. And I literally spiraled. I spiraled out of control. And when you are built up and experience so much pain, so much disappointment, and you don't deal with it, guess what? One day it will catch up with you and you will explode or implode. And I blew up. I blew up. I had to leave Chicago. Um, I left Chicago. I lived in Indiana for some time where um, with a mentor that kind of really helped me kind of get my mind right, get my heart right, because I had been carrying these secrets since the age of four and hadn't told anybody. But my uh, my the decisions that I was making during the time was leading me down a path of brokenness. Um, And when your hurt, hurt people, hurt people. And in that pathway, I hurt a lot of people and missed out on a lot of relationships and good friendships because of my brokenness. Listen, let me tell you, do not sleep with your friends. Do not sleep with people who are, uh, who are, uh, I would then be, and I'll, I'll slow down here. What I would do is people would come in my life and because of my own brokenness and my own issues, I would then manipulate them, sleep with them and then ruin the relationship. Anytime that you have a friendship, don't let sex get involved um, because when you are broken and you get around somebody else is broken, it's just it's just a whole broken mess. Um, and that's what that's really what happened to me. And uh, I was entrenched in this subculture um, of secrecy, the secret society. I was entrenched in it. I'm talking about it provided uh, housing for me. The secret society made sure I had food to eat. The secret society made sure I was good. But the secret society also passed me around like a piece of meat. I remember when I was around 20, 21, I lost a lot of weight. Um, and essentially, um, there was this ring um, of leaders who uh, would 
essentially you sleep with one person they would tell your friend their friend who was somebody else who was on the down low about you and then they would sleep with you and then you'd be in threesomes and uh and parties and orgies and all types of crazy mess and i started getting passed around in the sex ring the sex circle and me not realizing at the age of 8 17 18 19 that this was actually a community of people who were a essentially um having sex with me um and talking to each other um about um how they could get me or um they would invite me to preach at their churches and they would invite me to preach but really behind the scenes it was to have sex um because it was a part of this secret society and there's a lot of and listen there is no shade intended tonight there's no shade but i want to be able to break the silence i want to be able to tell the truth um i wanted to be famous i did i wanted to be a famous preacher i wanted to be with the big wigs i wanted to be respected i wanted to be seen and i wanted to be heard and i was willing to do anything and everything that i needed to do to get to that next level i was willing to lie i was willing to sleep with people i was willing to connive to get to the next level so that I could be amongst the elite because that's where I feel like I felt like I belonged. Oftentimes people who go through set who have experienced sexual trauma oftentimes feel neglected, oftentimes feel like they don't measure up and they don't add up. And because of that, um, it, and due to those feelings, we always feel like we have to prove ourselves or one up people. And so I was living in this cycle and I was literally being invited as an evangelist. Now, by this time I had started, launched a ministry was being well known and I was literally going to these places and what people didn't know behind some of those flyers they were pretty much sex invitations um you come out you preach for me um thank you guys for the love please share this please share this um Essentially, you I would go to these different places, different churches. They would fly me out to preach and I would always wind up in bed with the pastor or in bed with the pastor's wife um, and the pastor at the same time. Um, all types of crazy stuff. Um, but because I wanted a position, it wasn't about Jesus. Jesus was just the the uh, the scapegoat I used to be seen and heard. And one thing that I one of the reasons why I'm coming to this mic and I'm sharing this story is because I know that there is a generation of young men, young leaders, whether they're preachers or they're politicians or they're educators who want to be successful, who want to go to the next level in their careers and their ministries. And I want to tell you, yo, you do not have to give up your body in order to advance and go to the next level. It is hard. It takes uh, it takes work, um, but you don't have to sacrifice your integrity. You don't have to sacrifice your gift. You don't have to sacrifice your anointing in order to get to the next level. You don't have to be a part of the secret society. And what keeps people in these secret societies once they have been initiated is that people know your story. People know your stuff. So now you're locked in by shame and you're locked in by regret and you're locked in 
by secrecy. So once again, not only are you telling you remember, as I said earlier, when we go through the abuse the first time, you learn how to tell secrets. But then when you start activating or you start working in these circles, what happens is you're get you get entrapped. You get you get caught up. Um, and then you go through experiences, feelings of fear and shame and anxiety and stress because you can never live in freedom. Because you never live in freedom Because you're always looking over your shoulder You're always looking of what somebody said Or what somebody may have said Or who they may have said it to But when you learn how to live in freedom Somebody once told me that You know what, it's better just to tell on yourself sometimes It's better just to get it out there And say it with your chest And get it out Because then hell or nobody else Has anything on you You might as well just tell on yourself um, and so those were, and I, I was, I was going back to when I was in um, college after, um, I said no to, after I said no and started to reject the narrative and wanted to get out of the secret society, it wasn't easy. It wasn't hard because not everybody was bad. Not everybody was horrible. And that's sometimes what keeps you in because people were there for you, but they're not productive um, to your to where you are going. Um, and I had to realize that for me in God, there was no gray area. It was either black or it was white. And oftentimes what happens is in these secret societies, you live in this gray area because you feel like you owe people something. And I want to let you know, you don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe anybody anything and i want to acknowledge i see your questions um and i'm going to answer your questions you don't owe anybody anything is this helpful if this is helpful y'all let me know please let me know if it if this is helping you um but i decided that i wanted to be free I wanted to be free. I wanted to to live in freedom. I heard about it. I, I and I, and I'm not just talking about oh I'm not gay no more. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about freedom on the inside where I don't have to keep secrets anymore. Where I don't have to live in shame and I don't have to live in fear anymore. Um, and many of you who are um, influential people, we you we. There are so many secrets and it sucks. It sucks to live in that place because you never really get to experience life. One thing I realize is that, um, and I'm not here to preach, but Jesus said, I come to give you life and that of life more abundantly. When you have secrets, those secrets eat away at the life that Christ offers us. And I realized if I was going to be a son of God, I had to learn how to live in freedom. And I had to abandon my own fear. I had to abandon my own shame. And I'm here because I want you who are listening today to abandon fear, to abandon shame and live life on purpose, live life in purpose, regardless of what that is or what that looks like to you. You can live life free of guilt, life free of shame. It can happen. It's possible. 
many of us, we never move past the place of of our out of these secret societies or away from the uh, the effects of our brokenness is because number one of our bad habits that we form in those places, but also we always ask ourselves, will I ever be happy? This was the main one of the main questions that I would ask myself all the time. Man, will I ever be happy because of the type of abuse that I've been through? I, I've gone through and I've had multiple sexual abusers. Um, I started talking about my cousins from the age of four um, and older, but there was one sexual abuser um, I, that I posted about. His name was uh, Pastor Marquise. Um this was he started that abuse started with him from the age of 10 and went to 21 years of age um it went from the age of 10 to the age of 21 essentially being sexually groomed um to fulfill um his needs and i posted um a part of that uh i I posted part of that story um that um that i experienced with him and i want to read a little piece of it right now if you guys are okay with that are y'all all right with that I want to read just a small piece of that story and you'll find this excerpt in my book. It's I said in this excerpt after church, Pastor Huskun drove me, drove me and gave me a tour of his abandoned Arco antique mall building and explained the vision of his soon to be church. From that moment to this day, I don't remember how it happened. But the only thing I remember is being placed on a medium square wooden table that had a black metal pole underneath it in a small room. Nothing could have prepared me for what was next. Him shoving his slightly upward curved and discolored manhood inside of me. After he released himself on the floor, he looked at me with righteous disgust and asked, you like that, didn't you? After responding, I don't know. He looked at me and said, you need to go pray. Something is wrong with you. He proceeded with his verbal assault by informing me that I had a demon of perversion and he could help me get delivered. <laughs> As an 11 year old boy experiencing puberty, his words penetrated me in a depth to a depth that his penis would would and could never be able to comprehend his words something is wrong with you left a seed that grew weeds that choked the life out of my identity my confidence my relationships my self-esteem and educational endeavors i felt nasty i felt incompetent and i was shamed I'm going to read that part again. He left a seed that grew weeds that choked the life out of my identity, my confidence, my relationships, my self-esteem, and my educational endeavors. 
I felt nasty. I felt incompetent and I felt shamed. He masterfully left me to bear the blame and disgrace he placed upon me through his actions and self-righteous words. Yeah. Whew. For many people who've experienced sexual trauma, I'm sure that these words echo with you. Oftentimes, we question our identity, our confidence. We fail sometimes at relationships, our self-esteem. And we often feel and nasty. We often internalize that nastiness, feel incompetent and shamed. And we internalize that it's our fault. And then we're forced to keep the secret. And it poisons us from the inside out. And I'm breaking the silence because. I'm tired of seeing people who are hurting on the inside getting overlooked getting walked over getting walked on we laugh at them and these are people that are hurting and we don't realize let me talk to my church people for a minute we laugh at these people. We call them all types of derogatory names and don't realize a lot of the times they got turned out in the very churches that we go to. The church is supposed to be a place of healing and for a lot of people it's a, a place of it's become a place of pain and it has to stop we laugh at them we make fun we call them all types of stuff but it's our churches these are our people these are our children regardless of their black white hispanic i know children i know young people who have killed themselves Because of what they've been called in church or how church people have handled them. And I'm not here to bash on the church, but I'm saying we're supposed to be a hospital. We got to do better. And so when they don't and when people can't run to Jesus because of the church, who else do they have to run to? Who else do they run to? They run to people with open arms and the world has their arms open wide saying, hey, come, we'll take care of you. We'll love you. When we need to open up our arms and we need to open up our buildings and we need to open up our hearts so that we can love the hell out of people. 
But what I was contending with was my own happiness. When I wanted to be start being free, I contended with was I ever going to be happy again? And I had to come to the place in my life where I realized, well, that my happiness and oftentimes because I didn't know what made me happy, my happiness was dependent upon what I could do for others. Thanks. That was huge. My happiness and many people who've experienced sexual trauma, your happiness has been dependent upon what you could do for others. Whether that be financially, whether that be emotionally, whether it be sexually. And oftentimes for many people, it's all the above. My happiness and my self-worth was to started to be dependent upon how I could please somebody else, how I could please them in bed, how I could please them with doing things for them, because then my self-worth was defined by that. And that has to stop. Another thing that I wanted, I was contending for, I always felt the need to prove myself and to prove my worth. But because of those words that were spoken to me, I internalized them in such a way, and I have more stories to tell, but for the sake of time, I internalized those things. And I always felt like, and there's no other word I can say, but I'm sorry, church. I felt like shit. Because I didn't have self-worth. I was shouting, I was dancing, I was preaching, I was traveling, but internally I felt empty. I felt broken. I felt empty. And there's many of you who are listening to me who know what I'm talking about. You're living your life. You had, And I thought that I could do things and I could be gold places and I could become important. I could excel in education and get degrees or I could get a good paying job. I could get the house. I could get the car. And those things would fulfill the void in my life and make me happy. And after I got all of the nice stuff, after I got married, after I had the kids, it still wasn't enough. And it wasn't my wife's fault. It wasn't my children's fault. It was my own stuff. And you and I want to tell somebody, you cannot fill your life with stuff and with people to fill a void because first it was sex for me as long as I could have sex I was all right because I could do that I could make somebody healthy helpful health I could make somebody feel good and then internally I would say man I did that that's the one thing that I can do you were created for more than just to have sex if it wasn't sex, it was, man, my education. I mean, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'm going to go out here and I'm going to get and I'm going to excel in my education so that I can be somebody, so that I can be seen, so that I can be heard, so I can be respected. And now I'm sitting with the debt for my education and my education hasn't healed me or hasn't helped me become more whole. Maybe if I get married, then I'll be all right. Then I'll be healed. No, that ain't that ain't you. That's not it. That's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb to think that because what you wind up doing is messing up somebody else's life. 
you have to deal with you. And then maybe I'll run or I'll go or I'll move somewhere else. And sometimes that works. But oftentimes, if you have dealt with issues and pains and traumas that you haven't dealt with, you'll recreate the same mess that you're trying to run away from in another city or in another place. I want to tell you, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. One of the greatest revelations of my life was that my worth was not dependent upon what I could do. Also preaching and singing or 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 writing or whatever. I realized that who I am is not determined by what I do. My worth is not determined by how well I can exegete a text or how well I can um, do something specific, whatever it was. Just because my name is Robert Marshall, I am who I am. And I'm a son of God. That's enough. Now, this is something I'm going to be honest that I still live through and that I still have to catch myself because I'll get caught up and try to do, 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 be, 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 be for people. Either you have that one extreme or you have people who just don't care and totally give up and don't do anything. And both extremes are extremely unhealthy. But you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. I want you to say with me, I am enough. I am enough. Without the education, I am enough. Without the house, I am enough. Without the job, I am enough. Without the mate, I am enough. Because oftentimes when we experience sexual trauma, our self-esteem and our self-worth gets ripped away and we have to learn how to rebuild it. And it's nobody's job to rebuild it but ourselves, but our own. I also learned how to keep secrets and to live in a lie. And the lie that I lived in for the longest time that still pisses me off sometime to this day was I thought it was my fault. I thought it was my fault. And it took this long to realize that it wasn't my fault. Now, I was the one that was put given the label. Oh, Rob, he's gay. Oh, Rob, he's this. Oh, Rob, he's that. Uh, and I would hear all these different things. And I wore that label. But I realized. What? This ain't my fault. What I was wearing was somebody else's brokenness. I was the scapegoat for somebody else's issues that they did not handle, that they didn't know how to process. So therefore hurt people, broken people help break other people. And I realize now that it is not my fault. And there is freedom in realizing it ain't on you. And I said it the way I wanted to say it. It ain't on you. It's not on you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long it lasted. If you have experienced some form of sexual trauma, some type of sexual abuse, it is not your fault. Help me help somebody. And right on here, it is not your fault. People are going to church. People are going to school. People are killing themselves because they don't know how to deal with the guilt. And the guilt is not theirs to carry. There are some questions here that I'm going to answer.
but it's not your fault. And these are some of the practical steps that I've had to walk through in order to help overcome and continue to have to live through in order to become the best version of myself. One, I have to become too committed to the healing of my soul. Once you experience sexual trauma, sexual abuse, or any type of trauma, it leaves an imprint on your soul. It leaves a crack. It leaves, it leaves, it leaves something. That's right, uh, Leandre's been there, sex food, all that. Uh, but it leaves a wound on your soul. And in order to move to freedom, the first thing you have to do is get in a place or get in a space where you could start doing the deep-seated soul work in order to heal the soul. You're made up of three persons, mind, uh, all that uh, uh, mind, body, and soul. And oftentimes our soul is damaged. And I know y'all know that song by, uh, Leandria, by Leandria or that Leandria sings. This is my exodus. Yeah, listen to that. This is my exodus. This is my exodus. Right. How do I start to heal? Or how do I embrace my own freedom? One, become become committed to healing your own soul. Number two, big thing that I've had to walk through now and I'm learning to walk through is you have to redeem your body. What does that mean? That word redeem means to buy back. You have to reclaim, redeem, take back, snatch back your body. Because oftentimes people who go through sexual trauma or sexual um, uh, traumatic experiences, our body was stolen from us. It was stolen. Hell stole it. And we oftentimes never or we never go back after it or we're too timid to get it back. You only have one body. One. God is not giving you a new body in the earth. It's not happening. So you have to redeem and reclaim the one that was taken from you. You, in order to be to move towards freedom, you also have to renew your mind. Yeesh. You have to be committed to the renewing of your mind. You have to reprogram the way you think and the way you look at life and the way you look at yourself and the way you interact with the world, the way you interact with people. For a long time, I, man, because of my experiences as a kid, it jacked up my relationships with men. It jacked up my relationships and how I looked and how I thought um, um, and people and just a little thing. And even in my marriage, it jacked up the way that I looked at intimacy. <laughs> the hardest pill to swallow was one day my wife was like, uh, I don't think you know how to be. Uh, what's the word she used? It was an intimate. It was either intimate. She said, you don't know how to be intimate. Yeah, I think that that was the word or romantic. One of the two. And she said, I think it was a result of your childhood experiences. Now, I was offended, but it was the truth. 
The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.